Monday and welcome back to another episode of the Bowfinger Minute Podcast. Each week, Movies by Minutes hosts examine the 1999 Frank Oz-directed comedy, Bowfinger, one minute of screen time per episode. I'm one of your hosts this week, Jim O'Kane of the Apollo 13 Minute and the Rocketeer Minute. And I'm Hal Bryan, also of the Rocketeer Minute. And uh, and Jim, here we go again. Now, we, we had the good fortune of uh, kicking off this whole series what, some 55 episodes ago, if my math yeah. is even close. Yeah, yeah. see, it just so, seems like an only an hour ago. Or maybe it, it does. <laughs> and, of course, through the magic of recording and the Internet, I don't, I don't know if it was uh, several minutes ago or weeks ago, months ago. But uh, time flies when you're on the when you're on the podcast world. Yes, it, so, it uh, does. But uh, we, we get we get to come back with the kind of a. Uh, this is a, I, uh, to me, it's a bit of an awkward, awkward episode. <laughs> well, and I can't think of two guys yeah. better suited. Yeah, if, um, if any, nothing screams romance like us. Uh, <laughs> exactly. The one thing I was I was uh, thinking of is, is, of course, the classic scene with where uh, Eddie Murphy is seeing Heather Graham topless. Ah, yes. And well, you know, and the smile and everything else. That one doesn't come up in our uh, our milieu does it uh well we're gonna have to talk about that yes okay great stay tuned for the weekend folks this will be a good (laughs) warm-up for that then because um look forward to that episode folks because it's just going to be 20 minutes of (laughs) yeah gosh yes and here those bears huh yeah (laughs) and we're we're with uh we're with heather in her prime just two years after boogie nights so it's ah, yeah, that's right. uh, but uh, well, we could let's 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 just dive in here. The the, the minute starts with uh, a couple of ankles that we find out are, are Steve Martin and uh, and Heather's uh, Daisy and Bobby Bowfinger are just uh, mutually using each other. I can't. It's 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 who's conning who. I think is the or, or who's zooming who. I guess at the time was the right was the right, was the right song. Um, but uh, uh, we we get into uh, they are locked in an embrace while uh perry como's and i love you so plays over their um this long tracking shot across uh from ankles to uh i guess foreheads uh <laughs> and uh it it ends with uh bowfinger coming to a sudden agreement <laughs> about how how the uh how the shoot's going to go um and it is charming i i, I do want to talk about uh, this song you, you how I know you, how you, I know you are an easy listening maven. Uh, <laughs> wow, well, that's that's that is legally my middle name. As that's it happens. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> it's, 
in the days before smooth jazz, there was a... <laughs> right. There was easy listening. Yes. Yes. And, and uh, you know, Como is one of those funny guys that, um, for some reason, it's like you hear the name and you think about his, uh, his, his catalog and his style and stuff. And I always want to put him back, you know, like an extra 30 or 40 years, but yeah, this song was uh, early seventies, wasn't it? Right. 73, 73 okay. and written by, written by Don McLean of all people, the, uh, Oh, Mr. American pie. That yeah, Don exactly. That no guy. Kidding. And, wow. uh, he, he wrote this. This was uh, Perry Como's final number one hit. It lasted one week in the top 40. I'm trying to wow. imagine uh, Casey Kasem dropping in. On, uh, <laughs> <laughs> yes, on, exactly. Here we go with Perry Como. Right. But uh, yeah, just a, a very big love song, uh, huge across the world. This was like a uh, uh, a very unusual uh, you know, worldwide hit for Perry Como, who at the time I think was in his mid to late 60s. So there's there's hope for us all. Absolutely. <laughs> so you're saying that I may still have my easy listening top 10 hit. I I think that that's, that's always should, possible. Get out. Yeah. <laughs> I should dare to dream. Get it. Yes. Get out your uh, zip up sweater and, you know, just, uh, <laughs> <laughs> and just, just take it easy. Just relax. Yeah. Yes, exactly. Ah, uh, but uh, perfect, a perfect song because this is, you know, I mean, you're thinking about it, it's the nineties and, uh, Bobby Bowfinger's yeah, 50 that he as he says earlier in the movie they can smell 50 so right. this would what be considered what he would think of as romantic and uh you know uh, daisy's going along for the ride and you know whatever whatever it's going to take to get the new scenes and she's going to uh manage somehow um i did like the big line in this uh is where uh uh Bowfinger is talking about you know what's what's age but a number and uh, you know they're just like Bogey and Bacall and right. of course of course Daisy doesn't know what what are you talking about yes, who uh, but uh, they I think the uh, age difference between them two here is uh, not as great as it was between Bogey and Bacall but uh, Steve Martin at the time here I think is fifty he's fifty four or so and uh, uh, Heather Graham is uh, twenty twenty eight twenty nine and around there. Okay. So uh, not too big a difference, but I think when Bogey and Bacall did um, was Key Largo the first or To Have and Have Not? I think it was To Have and Have Not. I think it was To Have and Have Not. Yeah. Yeah, he was in his uh, uh, mid fifties, and she was nineteen. Yeah, I just uh, just pulled up his info or their info. He was born in eighteen ninety nine. Wow, and she was born in 1945. And you just think about what happened just between their two births. Wow, I mean, oh my gosh, it's sort of it's pretty much the, you know, it's it's the old west and horses through the a bomb. Wait, and, 19... and the jet engine. She married was... 1945. No, no, no. 19... yeah, I was thinking. Oh, wait, no, wow. no, 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 it's not that. Let's just like, cut wait. that. That wouldn't make any yeah. sense at all. No, no, it's fine. But well, yeah, uh, yeah. I, I was thinking they, they got married in 45, but I think she was okay. about she was either 19 or 20, if I remember yeah. correctly. Yeah, it looks like she was born in 24. So 20, oh, 24. Year. Okay, so yeah, not, not too bad. Not too bad. Yeah, wow, I really had myself um, there for a minute. <laughs> Still like, though, wait this, a minute. when you yeah. think about uh, Bogart's life up to that point, yeah. I know as as kids when we would watch uh, you know reruns of I I Love Lucy, for some reason we got the biggest kick out of the fact that William Frawley was born in the eighteen hundreds. Yeah, like that, like he must be a million years old, and you know, and of course he's probably our age now yeah. when he yeah. was doing that show. But oh my, how was anybody born in the eighteen hundreds? You know, that's so yeah. far ago. Well, 
old people were younger back then or uh, yeah old people were younger back then i think you know yeah, nowadays you think or... you know it's it's like the the one that always gets me on that one is ann b davis the actress who played alice the maid on uh, the oh, brady bunch yes when she started on the brady bunch she was 41 when they started filming are you serious and it's just you know you look at her you're like you got to be kidding me Right. Uh, it, and she's, it, I mean, she's, you know, spirited and sort of, you know, youthful in behavior. But when you're a kid watching Brady Bunch, it, it, she's a sweet old lady. Yeah. <laughs> you know? Yeah. Yeah. I mean, that's amazing. What do you think of uh, Granny on, um, on uh, the Beverly Hillbillies. Oh, if you tell me she was less than a hundred years old, I am just walking off this show right yeah, now. Yeah, uh, fifty-nine. Oh my Fifty-nine gosh. when they started filming. So that's just unbelievable. Yes. Um, yeah. <clears throat> you know, since we're meandering, my favorite bit of uh, Ann B. Davis trivia that will be uh, meaningful to maybe some in, in our audience is that she was for a time uh, neighbors with. Uh, your co-host on the Apollo 13 Minute, Mr. Chris Henry. Really? Wow. Yeah. And he said that uh, one time they were working in the yard and maybe helped her out with some things, and she brought him lemonade. And he just he said, I felt like I had just had died and gone to heaven. Alice wow. just brought me some lemonade. Wow. But it, so. but that would mean that his uh, his backyard was carpeted, wouldn't it? I just, uh... <laughs> yes, exactly. <laughs> Flawless wow. astroturf and... And of course, of course, Chris. Well, does did this happen in his uh, in his younger days? Because I was thinking, Perry Como. There's the full circle of Pittsburgh people. If uh, oh yeah, so yeah, yeah I, I believe this was in the Pittsburgh uh, era for Chris. It okay. might have been after his ATC career started, but I think it was when he was quite a bit younger. I think more he was more of a teenager. Okay, wow. So yeah, this so, is a, apparently a Pittsburgh minute. Although yes. you know, I, I must say, you are from the Seattle area, and therefore. Um, uh, that would qualify for one of uh, uh, Perry Como's previous hit, Seattle. Oh, that's, so. that's true. There you go. And wow. then to uh, to just keep twisting things around, you know, I was born in California. Yes. That's where it, the movie takes place. That's where the movie's taking place. Yeah. So uh, I also, as we were talking about Perry Como and uh, and, uh, I, and I Love You So, I saw that I didn't remember this, but Shirley Bassey did a version of it. Oh. And of course, the the, the most flawless bond theme of all time goldfinger was was yes. hers I, yeah. I just i don't think you can beat that one there's some fantastic bond music over the years but my gosh yeah that to me is the peak although i'm gonna i'm gonna be her heretical and say my favorite bassy bond theme was moonraker uh you, you know what's what's funny about that is i i give that song short shrift because that movie is so far down on my list of bond movies <laughs> but but uh but now that's uh that's that's very fair Wow. Um, well, anyway. Well, there Bowfinger. we are. Well, yeah, getting back to Bo Bowfinger, he's uh, you know de they're they're both working up their intros to each other and having these having these chats. Um, in what looks like, I, I, I just thinking about this from a physical position, leaning on your left elbow while you're trying to have a conversation must not be comfortable. I can't. <laughs> right. I mean, it's all for the camera, but it's just like that ah, looks really like I. If if I were in that situation, I'd be talking like this. <laughs> yes, exactly. Just straining and trying to hold and everything else. Uh, and it's you know it it's interesting too because I I wonder uh, I wonder if this scene would play any any differently today. I mean, uh, on the from you know 
from a, across the street and a mile away. It's like you look at this and you think, and it's like, oh, the director is is sleeping with the star, and this is what she needs to do to be successful, and it's just it's cringy and awful. But it's interesting that it is. I, I, you kicked off the episode by saying that they're using each other. Yeah, and yeah, it's, it's it's like mutual con con game here going on, right? And uh, yeah, it's it's impressive how how much you know the world has changed. I mean, this movie could probably this this movie could be made nowadays, but I think it would be very different in the way it approached things. Um, it it's very much I, I want to say almost an eighties comedy in in the way that right. it, it it goes it goes after these things, oh. and it's extremely cynical. It's a very it's a very cynical look at the, uh, but uh, you know, I mean, there's lots of movies about movies or movies about the movie business are usually very cynical. I mean, movies like this, I would think of adaptation would be another one. Oh, even, sure. Even Sunset Boulevard kind of goes over how empty and you know, like what a, right. a facade of how people are in in Hollywood life. Well, and I would throw. Uh... This is an odd example, maybe, but but certainly a big segment of it. The Great Waldo Pepper. Sure. This is yeah. a whole the whole third act is about is behind the scenes making a movie. And and in that sense, the culture comes through in, in the way that they just there's very little thought given to the safety of the the pilots who are performing on screen. It's just the director wants the shot and you're gonna do whatever you have to do. Yeah, one of my favorite uh, you know, behind the scenes in a movie scene. Is uh, Francis Coppola yelling at uh, Martin Sheen in the middle of uh, Apocalypse Now to keep going? It's for television. It's for television, and he's like pointing <laughs> into the into the battle. <laughs> just, um, but you know, I mean, that's that's just real life. Like John For John Ford at Midway is one of the strangest stories I, I think you could come up with. Right. Where like, what's this direct? You know, this director of a bunch of westerns here in one of the in the probably the most uh, decisive battle in the Pacific for World War II. <laughs> and here's this guy with a camera. Okay, fill it. Sure, why so, not? Ah, uh, wow. Yeah. But, yeah, interesting the way this whole thing plays out, though, with on screen with these two, that it is, you know, it's 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 silly, and it's, you know, it's it's neither one of them is, is necessarily being much of a role model at this point, but it's... Uh, uh, you don't have the the typical casting couch sort of power dynamic going on, which is which is yeah. nice to see. Yeah, it's like nobody's like nobody's in charge here. It's like they're they're it's it reminds me of the Mad Magazine Spy versus Spy yeah. uh, comics, where you know it's like they're both they're both out for what they're you know what they're after, and they kind of both get what they what they got. I will go into that later this week as yeah. many many more scams are coming. Oh, are, absolutely, are, are coming. Um, I do the the best line reading, of course, in this whole thing is after um, uh, Daisy grabs uh, Bowfinger's hand, slaps it in the middle of her chest, and explains exactly why she needs this role. Yes, <laughs> and his response is, "I so understand. <laughs> I so understand I, that." Yes, <laughs> right. and it's just this is a man who will say literally anything. Yeah, in, it, in that particular moment in that particular instance i you know i love his earlier line and it it i mean it it caught me a little bit when i watched the film but somehow reading the dialogue reading the, the from the script jumps out of me even more but i promise to never play mind games with your head 
Yes. And I don't watch that. that <laughs> it kind of kills me a little bit. It's like, I'll never play mind games with you. You know, that was what you would expect, but he's not going to play mind games with her head. There's a redundancy and then a weird sort of specificity to it. <laughs> yeah, it, it's, it's, the, but they, but, I mean, in this whole thing, you know that Daisy knows she's going to get her way. Right. And, and the funniest thing is, you know, 20 minutes ago, she was a bright eyed girl stepping off a bus going, where do I go to be a star? <laughs> yes, exactly. You and know, where's she, that drugstore? And, uh, <laughs> yeah, yeah. How can I get discovered? Right. So, um, yeah. And, and she's already figured, I mean, she went from, you know, she was wearing a gingham dress when she got off the, when she got off the bus, she had like a little check, check dress that went down to her shins. And now she's right. in this, you know, spaghetti strap number that it's like, oh, this is the man catcher. Um, yes, exactly. When just, you know, as you said earlier that day, she was still Dorothy Gale. Yeah. <laughs> yeah, she she figured it out fast. And as you know, we're not, not stepping on future people's minutes, but you'll see how, how fast she she goes from uh, zero to 60, as it were. Um, but it's uh, it, the thing I do like, I mean, just technically, I do love the lighting here. The lighting is perfectly romantic. I, I really enjoy that. The orange lights, the uh, even though it's a low light level, it's not, it's not dark like 21st century pictures. I know I, right. at the time we're recording this, I know you and I are both watching, um, you know, shows like Picard and things. And it's, yes. it's, you just kind of have to crank up the brightness to see what, who's on screen now. <laughs> exactly. Uh, I, I blame, I blame the, uh, the Game of Thrones, uh, uh, night, uh, what is it? The Night King? <laughs> Uh, oh right, yeah. yeah, yeah. Ever since that battle, I think it's it, everything. Everything's been dimmer. Um, and the and I keep wondering if it's. I mean, this is the age of CGI, but I remember. Um, I was and and this will tie in with uh your career, Hal. I, <laughs> I remember talking with an Evans and Sutherland uh flight simulator tech oh. about uh this was back in the early 90s it was before this movie and in, in the early 90s um a lot uh real-time uh simulations and you know like some flight simulator was very it was very difficult there were a lot of you know a lot of triangles had to be generated all these polygons and stuff right and uh we had at when i worked at british aerospace we had a couple of flight simulators and they could do nighttime, but they didn't do daytime. And I said, why don't they do oh, daytime? Right. And he said, too many triangles. That's <laughs> like, oh. Exactly. Okay. Yeah, the, so, the first big uh, sort of quote-unquote real simulator, which is a great oxymoron, um, <laughs> that I ever got to fly was uh, out at McCord Air Force Base. And it was their, uh, their C-141 and C-130 sims. Uh, and I was a, I was a teenager. Um, I, you know, going to see Iron Eagle in the theaters and then going out to an Air Force base and flying the simulators. I was, I was living the life and, uh, and they were nighttime only back then for that same reason, because you can just do stars for the sky and street lights and things and just little points of light. And, and there's so much black that it becomes much less expensive in terms of processing power. Yeah. And I mean, in the, I guess in the 12 years that I was working there, it went from that rudimentary, almost like uh, like the game of asteroids, you know, the old vector game. <laughs> yes, exactly. Things moving around to, to where you look out the window and go, oh, that looks pretty real. And nowadays, I mean, gosh, it, it's it's stunning what you can do on your you know your own desktop. Yeah, it's um, amazing. But uh, well, some, somehow that that all has to do with this movie, but I'm not exactly sure. But... <laughs> I don't know. I, I, I've given up asking. 
Yeah, it's, it's, it's just, just the long and winding road. That's where it is. You know, it, it's uh, it, some people have sort of very mixed feelings about the about the show, and it had its ups and downs. But for some reason, like one of my all time favorite lines from The Big Bang Theory was something where uh, I think Sheldon maybe had had a sip of alcohol and was kind of turning into some sort of proto beatnik, and they were asking, you know, how did how, how did we get here? How did this conversation get to where it is? And his answer was, I just go where the music takes me, kitten. <laughs> I just, I kind of want to live by that. Uh, wow. Well, ho- hopefully our listeners do too. Um, I hope so too. Wow. Well, I think, I think we've gone as far as we can with Heather Graham here in a, in a family show. Uh, so. <laughs> yes, we have. <laughs> Especially for a couple of rogues like us. Yeah. Yeah. We're never doing the Boogie Nights Minute. So we'll just leave, <laughs> leave that alone. Um, <laughs> But uh, for folks uh, listening to us, if you want to reach out to us, we're always available, hopefully, mostly, at uh, uh, Bowfinger's um, Welcome to Mind had the Bowfinger uh, Center out there on Facebook. Also on uh, Twitter, of course, easy to remember, Bowfinger Minute. Um, this show, wherever you found it, just go in and subscribe, please, because you can uh, hear us Monday through Friday every day while we're running, and you can binge us so after we're all completed so you can listen to all 100 and some odd episodes. Um, but we uh, we are all, we're available on things like uh, iTunes, Google Play, Spotify. Uh, tune in, every, you know, basically wherever you found this, go in, check the box, and get you know get subscribed so you can you can hear more of us. Um, Hal and I will be back tomorrow as we continue uh, this weird interlude with uh, two would be you know star-crossed lovers. I don't think is the right term for this. <laughs> right, and, <laughs> but love-crossed stars. I yeah, maybe yeah. Ooh, <laughs> I don't know. Write that down. They could be a T-shirt in that. Well, we'll <laughs> there see. you go. Yes, by well, all means, you can yeah. have it. Okay, we'll work on that one. Uh, but in the meantime, please, you know, join us again tomorrow here on the uh, Bowfinger Minute. In the meantime, keep it together. Keep it together. Keep it together. Keep it together, children. I hope that we'll see you again. Cause there's always one more show. Cause there's always